Hey, good day. Carm here with a session on recruiting and retention. Now, I believe you would feel that recruiting and retention is one of the top five concerns in the aftermarket, and even for yourself. Kyle Holt and Jay Ganinen bring their expertise. From a leadership standpoint, if you're the owner of a shop or if you're a service manager or a general manager or somebody that's overseeing it, you've got to look at everything that you're doing. You've got to look at if somebody's willing to leave for 50 cents or a dollar, that is not good news. That is not much money. So there are other things that are that are affecting them. Welcome aftermarketers to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here, and Remarkable Results Radio is proud to partner with Napa Auto Care and the upcoming 2020 Napa Expo. Join Napa and many of your colleagues in Las Vegas April 6th through 9th, 2020, to discover the latest innovations in the auto care industry. Enrollment, it's going on right now. Get with your Napa store to learn more. Hey, welcome to Remarkable Results Radio. Glad to have you here. Over 550 episodes out there where listening while you are mobile via your smartphone or tablet is real easy. Just add Remarkable Results Radio to your podcast subscriptions or download our own listening app from your app store. It's free, on demand, and available worldwide. Hey, ever have the need for a new team member? Now, that was a loaded question. Trying to hire a technician? Concerned about losing a top performer? You're not alone. In fact, this is one of the toughest challenges service professionals face. We've done many podcasts on this theme, and when I can get two experts on who have their finger on the pulse of the issue, you benefit. With me is Kyle Holt, president of SP2 that serves businesses and career tech schools in the automotive service, collision repair, heavy-duty diesel, and welding industries. SP2 is used by over 175,000 students and employees every year across North America. Jay Ganinen is president of Find a Wrench, which is a recruiting service used by shops around the country to assist them in finding technicians. Jay's company purchased a popular niche job board called findamechanic.com. Jay has a passion for promoting the industry and the many talented people we work with and to be a voice for those who don't like to promote themselves talking points are done for you at remarkable results.biz slash e347 now together kyle and jay will give you some recruiting tips share with you the biggest competitors for talent and why growing your own is such a strong option hey a warm welcome to kyle holt president of sp2 hey kyle Hey, good morning, Carm. And Jay Ganinen is here from Find a Wrench. Hello, Jay. Hi, Carm. Hi, Kyle. I think we kind of saw each other at Vision, and uh, I just couldn't find any room in my schedule there. So I said, hey, let's let's get together. Let's do a little roundtable, a recruiter's roundtable. And uh, boy, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to share with the industry. I not only want to have a discussion, but I really want to create some call to actions to help the aftermarket colleagues of ours navigate their recruitment or their retention efforts. So, Jay, uh, recruiting every day, is that important? It is getting more and more important by the day. It's always been important, but now it's becoming vital to businesses and and the health of their business moving forward. I think, uh, and I'm sure Kyle can attest to this too, but we, we've 
actually seen businesses not survive because they can't find help. And it's because they were too late to the game and trying to, to, to start recruiting. And we, we use kind of, in when we talk with shops, a big piece of what we say is, hey, if, if you're only recruiting when you need a tech, it's too late. Uh, you, right. you need to build that pipeline. Kyle, I'm sure you see the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like that scene out of uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, the ABC always be closing. Now it's got to be always be recruiting, always be recruiting. Yeah. How do you convince a shop owner that he's got to carve out some bandwidth to do this? Have you ever shared, you know, you know, one-on-one with the shop owner and looked him in the eye or shook him in the shoulders and says, this is what you got to do. It is imperative to these guys that they they really take this seriously and and we see it on a daily basis we deal with shops kind of all over the place uh, independent shops dealerships cars trucks machinery whatever it is and there is a distinct difference between those that take it seriously and those that don't and those that uh, that view it as an expense right Kyle I think that's I, I saw in, in some of your notes too that it's really important to view it as an investment and not an expense. And that's that, exactly right. Yeah, Kyle, I'll let you talk to that too a little bit. I mean, it's, 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 it's so important. That is such a vital aspect. And, and there's got to be a champion at the executive yeah. level, whether, it's, whether you're a single shop owner or whether you're an MSO, somebody at the executive level, somebody who's in charge needs to say, look, we're going to make a commitment to our recruiting. From my end, everything that we're dealing with is with entry-level technicians. So if you're wanting to grow your own, if you say you want to grow your own, that has to become part of the culture as well. And it can't just be lip service. If you're feeding lip service to growing your own technicians or if you're feeding lip service to recruiting in general, then you're going you're gonna to get beat. Yeah, You're going to lose to the shop that is – the best at recruiting, that is the best at growing their own technicians, that's your new competition. It is no longer the guy down the street and you're just competing for market share. You're competing for technicians so that you can own market share. So growing your own is about recruiting. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not just finding them. It's about what do you do with that young entry-level technician when you've got them. You've got to have a plan. You've got to mentor them. You've got to grow them. You've got to show them why ongoing training and education are important. And really, to be realistic, you got to also have that same attitude with experienced techs. They can't just rest on their laurels with the way that technology is changing in the car today. Am I right on that, Jay? Oh, my goodness. You hit it right on the head, Kyle. And I think one of the things that we see is a lot of lip service. We see a lot of people saying that they care about it and they say that they want to recruit proactively and they say they want to do that, but you don't see the action to, to kind of, to offset that, right? Or you don't see the action to, to really be proactive about it. And, and we really, a big part of our business in general is that kind of that proactive approach to finding these texts, but not only that guiding the shops through and saying, Hey, you know, we don't have the silver bullet for every single thing and every single tech. It's going to take time. There are no overnight solutions anymore. And it's not just going and finding your neighbor, Jimmy, down the road to go come work in your shop. It, these are really, really talented people. You've got to have a strategy and, and not only a strategy to recruit the ones coming in uh, and, and trying to, to fill your pipeline as far as your shop, but keeping the ones that are already there. Uh, I think we see that a lot yeah. too, where 
they know technicians know that they have the leverage right now. And, and it's no secret, no shop owner, shop owners, if they take a really good candid look at that, they have to understand that they are no longer the ones driving uh, kind of the, the relationship. It is, it truly is the technicians that have control. Uh, and that's not always a bad thing. I mean, they're, they're really, really, uh, they're valuable, right? And and it's it's it can't just be a oh by the way I need a tech anymore. It's got to be let's go after this. I love that you said you can't just get that guy Jimmy down the street. <laughs> the way I say it is, I'm always talking about look, you're going to have to recruit. Are you recruiting uh, experienced techs and trying to poach them away from a shop down the street? Are you trying to uh, recruit from the schools and bring in those entry level technicians who have graduated or are currently enrolled in a program? Are you trying to get the the guy who's bussing tables at Chili's and says, "Hey, I like cars," and grow that guy? You know, that guy bussing tables at Chili's. There are people out there that are recruiting that guy because yeah. it's so hard to find technicians. However, that person's coming in with zero understanding of a vehicle. That is not the same as an experienced tech. That is not the same as somebody who is in a career tech program for our industry. That's a tough hill to slog up. To try to to try to make that turn that guy into a quality technician. Now there are people out there that are doing it. That is hard to do, though. To give you an example here, I, I in to build off of what you're saying there too, Kyle is we were at a, a fairly large truck dealership yesterday, and we went in, and it's a client of ours, and we went in and talked to them, and uh, they have multiple locations, so it's a little bit easier for them to do this than what a regular independent shop would be. And in all honesty, it it is. Um, uh, something that is a reality that as an independent shop, you have to look at and say, okay, how are we going to combat this? But they, they hired their own training director on, uh, or basically a, a, a person that uh, their job is to go and have a monthly meeting with every single tech they bring in. And like Kyle said, when they bring in a fresh technician, it's somebody that shows interest, shows that they have some level of mechanical aptitude. They're bringing them in and having starting them off with preventative maintenance or doing some things to really get them exposed. Uh, they probably don't have tools a lot of times, right. but it, it is truly bringing them up, not expecting them to produce right away. I think that's a key element here is you can't you can't bring them in and uh, and say, hey, you know what, this person needs to produce tomorrow. Um, and, and it's tough because a lot of even entry level, they're starting to get paid to the point to where you would expect them to produce. But if, if you're looking at, uh, at them to come in and produce as a flat rate technician right off the bat, I, I really, you know, to Kyle, I think your point earlier is like, I just don't know that that's a realistic expectation. That's right. Guys, I love what you guys are saying. And I've been just so sitting by here, absorbed by it. And uh, I'm worried about or concerned about the call to actions about growing your own because you said people are speaking and they're they're just they're just doing lip service to themselves. Can we give a few call to actions as to how to really do it? Let me throw one thing out there that I think is vitally important, but it's something that we're we're seeing. You've got to have that champion at the executive level. Mm-hmm. All too often, what ends up happening is somebody says, oh, my gosh, we've got to have technicians, you know, and, and I'm going to put you in touch with our recruiter. And you end up talking to the recruiter and the recruiter goes, oh, OK, yeah, we had we, we've got a, a national company that we've been working with. We sent them 120 plus uh, entry level technician candidates that all said they were interested in working for this specific company. The recruiter and their team did not reach out to 
many of the candidates because they got so many requests for I need ex- I need experience techs that they were like, well, I'm not going to worry about that. And also, we didn't have a lot of luck in hiring some of the first people that we talked to. So we just threw in the towel on that. It's like when you've got 120 candidates that said, I'm interested in working for you and you didn't follow up with them and you didn't hire any of them, what kind of message does that send? And that and up the chain, they're going, wait, we did what? Yeah. And at the recruiter level, they're going, yeah, you know, I, I just, I'm getting asked for experience techs. But Kyle, bring it down to, you know, our shop owner, single store, even, you know, multi three or four opera, you know, sm- shops. There, there are things that we could do. What are they? So first of all, finding entry level technicians, we're trying to make that really easy. Uh, we, we've got a, an online system called SP2 Careers where we've got over 45,000 entry level technicians who are interested in finding opportunities, whether that's part time, full time or an internship opportunity. We've got 45,000 in all 50 states. We can help you find the entry level technicians. But once you have them on board, you've got to have a game plan. You can't just be winging it or mm-hmm. you can't just say, oh, I'm going to put them with my best technician and they'll they'll naturally get better. Usually you don't want to mess with your best technician. That that guy or that gal should keep working on vehicles and making money for the shop. You want to have the right person to mentor them who is the person in the shop who is most who's best suited for with per, interpersonal skills and communicating with um, with somebody else and having a desire to teach somebody else. We've also got a mentoring program that we're in a pilot. It's, it's a pilot right now, but we're giving it away at no cost to any shop that wants it to help give you the ability to set that mentoring program up. We're not just talking about this. We're actually giving you access to the tool sets that you need to bring on that entry-level technician. We've got a couple of things that are coming down the pipeline that I can't, that I'm not ready to talk about yet. But I think by the end of the summer, we're going to have a couple more tool sets that are going to be really valuable to to shops. Whether you're a, a small local shop or whether you've got two or three locations in in your area, or you're more of a regional player, I think that we can help you out with that. But Jay, what are you guys doing as far as the grow your own side of the business? Yeah, so I, I think you hit on it spot on in that it's more about the education right now uh, in, in educating shop owners and shop managers about how important it is to be looking constantly. Uh, we at Find a Wrench, I guess, had started a put together basically a plan called the garage plan. And the garage plan is is really a way to give you the tools to, to really develop a plan. And I think going back to what you guys were talking about initially, and even what Kyle was just discussing in regard to that developing your own, I think to me, the big piece is having a diverse plan that, that really isn't a one size fits all. It's, it's good for you, right? And for you as a shop owner, that it's the right fit. And it's, if it's bringing in a new technician and using SP2 to bring in a, a a uh, tech student that's coming out and and having a mentorship program defined for them. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have to be a 40 page report. It's got to, but you do need to get something down on paper as far as this is how we're going to train somebody. And and I think your mentorship program is amazing, Kyle, because I think that's a, a really, really needed thing. I've, I've worked in a, a dealership at one point where uh, we assigned mentors. And then I asked at one point, 
does the mentor know that they're a mentor? And, uh, <laughs> and, and tried to get them uh, to, to tweak that a little bit. But it, it really is uh, de- defining a plan, having a plan. Uh, and, and even with the garage plan, I'm more than happy to pass that, that information along to anybody uh, free of charge. And it's, it's really nothing to do with us. Uh, we do use it as a guideline to our assisted self-recruiting program, which is more of a sub- subscription-based program. But really, we're trying to hold the hand of a shop to say, hey, let's figure this out together. And, and even other industry people, such as Kyle and, and some others that are, you know, I don't know that any of us have all the answers, but it's like, hey, let's work together and figure this darn thing out. Hey, it's Carm here to tell you about the best shop management solution for your auto care center, Trax Enterprise. Now, since Napa introduced Trax in 1989, it's been the industry's leading shop management system out there. Today, Trax Enterprise offers even more of the features auto care center owners want. Things like a powerful interactive scheduling calendar, faster and streamlined workflow, multi-shop capabilities, easy pay consumer financing integration, and more. That means you can count on Trax Enterprise to help drive your success today and well into the future. The tabbed interface lets you open and view multiple estimates, ROs, invoices, and purchase orders all at the same time. You can even place windows side by side, over or under, or drag a tab from another application outside Trax to open another window. One auto care center owner said he loves being able to have 10 to 12 work orders open at once. Enterprise also offers a Microsoft Outlook type calendar so you can view daily, weekly, and monthly schedules, drag and drop appointments between days and times, and block time to indicate length of work. Punch out to Mitchell Pro Demand is another huge benefit. It provides embedded labor, part, maintenance, and fluid capacities that can be transferred to estimates and repair orders within Tracks. Tracks Enterprise also streamlines parts ordering. Just one click and it's done. The mobile capture app sold another auto care owner on Trax Enterprise. He said there's no reason to write VINs by hand anymore. You can decode the VIN from a mobile device and send all the information directly to Trax. There are reporting features too. For example, with just a couple of clicks, you can find out how many repair orders you've written in a month. Talk to your Napa Auto Parts store and find out more about what Trax Enterprise can do for you, plus the hundreds of other great things the auto care program has to offer. Okay, let me let me try to summarize this call to action idea for Grow Your Own. Um, job boards, for example, Kyle and Jay, both of your places, and let's talk about your companies here in a minute. But we also have to be involved in education, I believe, locally. I believe my shingle has to be up that says that I'm always recruiting. My entire team knows that. I need to be involved in high school. I need to be involved in college. And I think that goes without saying because woe is me isn't going to work when I think the opportunities out there for your involvement in finding um, the Grow Your Own kind of people are out there then mentoring career pathing of course kyle you and i've talked about this a lot in the past and i think that's critical and important oh that's exciting well great how long am i going to work in the lube or how long how how long am i going to be a gs so and then compensation plan and i'm really hot on this lately Um, we're doing a town hall academy um, how do we pay a technician $100,000 a year? How do we create a pay plan that's like that? And there's a lot of introspective that has to happen inside the business in order for something like that to happen. But you've got some pretty talented people out there that a few of them are making that kind of money, but a whole bunch of them want to. 
How do you do that? How do you get there? And I think a compensation plan is is important for someone to realize that, you know, they're not in a dead-end job like the rest of the world is is telling us all. And some of our own people inside of our industry are saying, what the hell are you doing here? Right. We are the best at telling people, uh, telling young technicians why they should get out of the industry. Oh. And that's, that's like industry suicide. It is. So what I just talked about, you, you guys kind of agree that that's, those are part of a call to action, which you got to be doing? Without totally a doubt. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. And Carm, to add one other thing, and this is not finder inch, uh, this is nothing to do with my business, uh, but more, we, I, I'm working with local community leaders in the small town that we're at in Mount Horb, Wisconsin, just outside of Madison. And we started a group called uh, CAST, which is the Community Alliance for the Skilled Trades. And basically what it is, is we got together with uh, local community leaders. So whether it's, uh, there's an electrician, there's a plumber, there's uh, contractors, builders, all of these people that are looking, it's not just our industry that's looking for people, right? We're, we're looking for more, uh, anybody that works with their hands has great opportunities right now. And so what we're doing is basically showing our support for the school uh, at a local level. And I think at some point, my hope is to maybe give this template to other communities to say, hey, listen, use this as a way to support your community. But it's a 501c3 uh, nonprofit that basically is, hey, school, what do you need help with? And like last year, we wrote a grant for them to get welders. So it's like $60,000 with the welders in their school that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And it really is really, it's, it's kind of cool to see all of these different industries that are revolve around the skilled trades get together and try to try to push a different narrative in the schools at the, at the high school level and even the middle school level. And not only just for the kids, but for the parents. Right. And so to, to, to say, Hey, these aren't bad jobs. These are, these are nothing to be ashamed of. It's not, you shouldn't be ashamed of going to trade school. This is, this is something where you can see the entrepreneurial background of a lot of these people in the trades that don't necessarily get glorified. So just another point of something that's out there uh, that we were working on. Uh, it, it has nothing to do with my business, but it's more of, Hey, there are some other points or other steps that you can take at a local level and the more we do that as a group all across the nation, the more we're going to push that narrative and, and really that paradigm shift to, to see something different. Kudos and high fives to you, Jay, for, for that. What you're really saying is don't get involved at your own risk. I've been such a proponent for that, and I'm on the advisory council of our local automotive trades college here. And I have to tell you, it's been, I think, two years have I learned a lot. And it was one of the best things that I could ever do being an advocate for our industry like I am to be so involved in that level of education. Hey, Kyle, what's going on with SP2? Tell me about what's happening with your company. We've been really getting the SP2 career system rolling. We've got uh, more shops that are coming on. One of the things that, and, and this kind of goes along with what Jay is talking about, we've had a lot of interest from the uh, heavy duty diesel medium heavy truck side of the transportation industry, which is great because we have those heavy duty diesel technician candidates in the system. But one of the things that we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of interest outside of just automotive service, outside of collision repair, that they're looking at these candidates going, hey, this is really great. This is a, a, a nice opportunity for me to get in there and to be recruiting. And also I've got a unique 
competitive advantage as a as a diesel shop where I'm paying nearly double or sometimes more than double what automotive service shops are paying warning warning there's a there's a warning you you and i did a show back in raleigh you remember that and i'll i kyle i will not forget this you you used the word you you actually used it earlier in the show the word was poaching absolutely yeah you can poach technicians all day long you can poach those experienced technicians all day long from each other that doesn't add a single new technician into the, into the industry. The only way to add them in is to grow your own, to grow that next generation of technicians, hiring from the career tech programs, sometimes hiring outside of the career tech programs and, and growing that guy who is that busser at Chili's who says, I like cars. That's fine. That's great. Let's add more people into the industry. But beware, because other industries are constantly coming for our technicians on the auto service and collision repair side. And look, I work with the the diesel industry, and I will never stand in their way of finding technician candidates. If you're an automotive service shop, if you're a collision repair shop, you should be concerned because Mm -hmm. they're not paying $10, $11, $12 an hour to start. They're paying $18 to $22 an hour to start. And then there are other industry segments that are coming that are in energy, uh, whether it's wind energy, uh, oil and gas, and they're paying $25. Thirty dollars an hour to start. No tool purchases. The key that you said to start. Yeah, that's right. Can you imagine? You know, you start at twelve. Um, there's an awful long way to go to get to twenty-two. But if you start at twenty-two, it's not far to get to thirty, thirty-five. That's right. And and that's what people are looking for. They've set it up where it's not hard for them to move up. I think that as an industry, we've got to look at what we're paying our technicians, our entry-level technicians, because. When you're making 12 bucks an hour and your your goal in life is to make $100,000 during the year, that is a long way to go to get there. And and if we don't show them how to get there, and if we don't start looking at, you know, maybe we ought to re-examine what we're paying our entry level, it's only going to get worse. I'm not trying to preach doom and gloom out there because I do I have a ton of young entry-level technicians who are ready, willing, and able to work in an automotive service shop, in a dealership, in a, in a collision repair shop. But beware, the other industries are coming for them. How hard would it be, guys, if I was a shop owner and part of Grow My Own program was a compensation package, we talked about it, and uh, I put up on this great chart for my starter, the different kind of roles that I expect that person to play, ASE certifications, the training program that I am going to pay for him this year is 40 hours, and every quarter when any of those times are are finished and completed and I got a, a post-certification, I, I qualified, then I earn more money. Uh, oh, we've given you some jobs. We're going to rate the comeback area and the efficiency on those jobs based on book time, even though I may not be paying flat rate. There's, there's a certain book time that I could take a look at. Are those the kinds of ideas that a young person would want to see in front of them? Well, yeah. And you just showed them that there is a value to getting that ASE certification, that Mm -hmm. there's a value to ongoing training, that there is a career path and there's a way for them to make more money. Just if you do A, you'll get B. If you do B, then you'll get C. If you do X, then you get Y. If we can show them that this is the pathway 
then they have a roadmap to where they can go. Otherwise, it's just, well, start doing oil changes and I'll tell you when you're done and, and, and you won't be done for at least six months <laughs> to a year. That's no, that's no future. You know, Kyle, you and I were speaking and you told me that uh, people don't really realize how many hours it takes to become, if you will, mastery in, in our business. You said how many was that? 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. And, and that's not my number. Um, Malcolm Gladwell yeah. is the guy who really popularized the 10,000 hour rule. Uh, but it was out there before. He just, he just put it in, into his book, Outliers, an excellent book. Yeah. And, and if you haven't read Outliers, read it. It talks about how it doesn't really matter what the skill set is. It's going to take 10,000 hours to reach mastery. That doesn't mean it's going to take 10,000 hours to be able to be profitable as an entry-level technician where you're making money for the shop and for yourself. But to become a master, 10,000 hours. And and to expect that a student coming out of a career tech program, and they've spent anywhere from 540 hours to maybe 1,000 hours actually in that program, to come out and be able to do the work that you're, you're being, you're, even a C-tech can do in the shop, is ludicrous. And then we go, okay, well, I'll give you a chance for six months. And if you can't do it by then, you're <laughs> out of here. Whoa. I mean, how short-sighted is that? 10,000 hours to reach mastery. We've got to be more patient. We have to set up structures that allow entry-level technicians to work hard and learn. And mentoring is one of the easiest things to set up that speeds up that process where you learn from somebody who, so you, what not to do as much as what to do. That is so cool because, you know, you have to think about how many things that you break in your lifetime of really becoming a, you know, a 20, 25 year mastery, if you will. And you're saying, and you're not going to allow the, the young person coming up to learn by doing, by breaking a few things. Yeah. But if they can avoid some of those breakages along the way because they've got that that person who's been there and done that before who says, look, I care about your future and I want you to be successful. My father has said this for years, and I don't know if this is his or if it's somebody else's, but he's always said you can't be promoted if you can't be replaced. And so those CTECs can't be promoted unless they can be replaced with somebody else who can step in and do their work. A B-Tech can't go on to be an A-Tech if they don't have somebody behind them that's going to become a B-Tech. We should all be mentoring somebody else in the shop so that we can continue to move up that path. I love it. I'm here as your mentor so that you can break a few less things than I did. Right. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Jay, what do you see? Do you see that well, kind of same thing in, in, in Finder Ranch? I do. And one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me there, and I love the mentorship approach, and, and I think I've told you that in person too before, Kyle. I think it's so cool. One of the things that I see consistently with shops, and, and just circling back to that that proactive approach to recruiting, is that what happens is if they wait until the last minute to find a tech, they end up making a rush hire and they need that person to produce immediately. And it's out of desperation, right? And desperate, desperate times call for desperate measures. And that, that is when you get your back up against the wall. You make a terrible hire that's not a fit uh, for your shop because you waited until the last minute. And it is an absolute killer. And then it's, it, it gives a bad taste to not only the tech, but the shop. Uh, and, and they came in and they were expected to produce right away. They were not ready to produce. And if there was due diligence and, and really some effort put into a plan in general 
to say, hey, listen, we're, our shop is full right now. This is the time to start recruiting, not yeah. when we're not when we're down two guys and desperate, because that's when the bad hires happen, and that's when the expectations go through the roof for a one or two year tech that still needs, you know, you're you're a tenth of the way there to mastery, right, Kyle? And I think that's where. Right the expectations have to match. I mean, you can't just expect somebody to come in and know these advanced systems right off the bat if they're, if they're coming out fresh and it is frustrating at some level. And that's where the lip service comment came in earlier for me is that there's a lot of shops that will say, yes, we're getting really proactive at this. And then they get busy and they're full, their shop is full and then they just stop altogether. It's similar to sales, right? Like in our organization on the sales side, when we go out and try to sell to somebody, what do you have to do to sell? You have to build a pipeline of people to go talk to and go to sell to them. It's the same thing with technicians. You have to build that pipeline and you have to, you have to sell to them, quite frankly. It's, they have so many options now. And like Kyle said, it's not just automotive. There's diesel, there's heavy duty, there's plumbers, there's electricians that they're, there's some really, really good opportunities out there for talented people that can work with their hands. And, and to think that they're just limited to automotive is naive. A lot of these people are really, really talented with their hands in a bunch of different regards. So uh, they're, you know, if, if it's money, if it's benefits, if, if, and, and quite frankly, with a lot of independent shops and, and Carm, I know I've shared this with you before, but my dad has an independent shop of, you know, there are probably five, six people there. The need to paint a path moving forward and really put that vision out there is so vital so that they, you know, if they go to a dealership and they've got multiple locations, they can see that, Hey, I can move up to be the service manager. I could move up to be a general manager of a store when there's, when they look ahead and they only see three or four positions that are above them in their current location, you need to paint that picture of either it's a growth opportunity. Um, I, I once had a, when I, when I was the kind of director of service for a, uh, a dealership, I had a, a service manager come up to me and say, you know, I, I, I said, what is your five-year goal? What is your 10-year goal? And he said, well, you're here, so and, and you're pretty young, so I'm not sure. That's the job that I would want is the one that you wow. have, and, and you're young. And you're like, no, 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 <laughs> don't, don't think that way, because that there are so many things that could happen. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Or ask me what my five-year plans are, yeah. and that's, <laughs> yeah. why, that's why your five-year plan is good. Yeah, and, exactly. and that's where you turn to him and say, I can't be promoted if I can't be replaced. Exactly. That's great. That's great, Kyle. That's a perfect. Great story. advice, guys. I love where this is going. Jay, what's going on with Finder Range? It's funny. We've really changed a lot, I think, in, in terms of our core business uh, from the last time that I was on this podcast. Uh, one being that we had a website called findermechanic.com that we had purchased uh, from, from a different kind of Silicon Valley company. Uh, we had shut that down and moved our job board over to Finder Wrench. So now we've got our job board on FinderWrench.com. Uh, we've got our full service recruiting, which is really going out and, and really kind of looking for those veteran technicians and, and working with shops to, to find those guys. And then what really kind of took over as our core offering is our assistant self-recruiting program. We have a shop work directly with one of our recruiters who kind of holds their hand through the process uh, of getting their jobs posted to a number of different websites, uh, going out, finding uh, resumes on job boards and building tools for them. Similar to what Kyle was saying on the SB2 side too, where it's, it's more of uh, we've got a lot of people with HR background on the find a wrench team. 
And so using those tools, and I always think of like my dad's shop, right, who he doesn't have any HR background whatsoever and probably is the furthest thing from his mind of wanting to do. Uh, but building tools as far as uh, a couple of weeks ago, we put out a package that had questions you could ask in an interview. It sounds so little, but it could be such a big thing to keep you out of a lawsuit at some point or yeah. something like that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we've gone with the Find a Wrench brand. Good. I uh, can't remember uh, where was I just recently. Oh, I know where I was. And someone got up uh, from an HR perspective and listed, you know, um, for all of us. Uh, guys have been there and done that. All the new things that you can't ask, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh my God, is is it really? It's really changed a lot." And that's a great service to provide someone. Guys, let's talk about retention. Obviously, it's a competitive market, right? That's the whole reason we're having this podcast right now. There, there is competition at every level for people needing technicians, and you are naive if you don't think people are coming after your technicians. And if you give them a reason to leave, it is an emotional decision right now. And people uh, spoke to a shop earlier this week, and this was a multi-location dealership where they're giving their service managers the right to hire people on the spot. Wait a minute. You're talking about if they could fog a mirror? Yeah. If they come in and they have an interview in in person, if they walk in the door and say, hey, you know what? Joe's auto service uh, is not treating me right. I'm looking for a job where I've got growth opportunities. I'm looking for some of this other stuff. They had the ability, the service manager did, to hire them on the spot with parameters. That's a big move. And that shows the desperation that's out there. It does. Yeah, it really does. And Kyle, I'm sure you see this, <laughs> the same. I mean, it, it is crazy what some of these guys are coming up with right now. It is. Uh, the The signing bonuses are, are still in yeah. effect out there. When we talk about retention, we're not just talking about the new hires. We're talking about the existing employees as well. And so I think that you've got to, you've got to look at, obviously everybody's going to look at pay first. Yep. And, and that is, that is definitely a huge issue when, when you've got technicians who will leave for 50 cents or a dollar an hour more some, to, and go somewhere else. That's not that much to retain a technician, but then you've got to look beyond that. Wait a minute, Kyle, isn't that a warning sign? It is a warning sign, Carm. It's a warning sign that we have to we have to be paying attention to, obviously, the numbers and the dollars and cents, but it goes a lot deeper than that. And from, from a leadership standpoint, if you're the owner of a shop or if you're a service manager or a general manager or somebody that's overseeing it, we, you've got to look at everything that you're doing. You've got to look at if somebody's willing to leave for 50 cents or a dollar, that's, that is not good news. That is not much money. So there are other things that are that are affecting them. There are things. Look at your tool programs for young techs. You know, most of the experienced techs have plenty of tools. They've got their tool sets already lined up, and they're just going to be adding to it. But young technicians have issues with tools. Look at the culture within your within your shop. Look at how uh, how technicians treat each other. Look mm-hmm. at how they treat your customers. Look at how they treat uh, other employees in the shop who are not technicians. Is there a prima donna? Um, uh, mentality out there amongst some or all of the technicians. How how are the managers working with with the technicians? Because typically, the number one reason that people leave a job is because of their manager, and the number one reason they stay in a job is because of their manager. <laughs> so there's a whole host of things that need to be looked at. And if they're going to leave for a buck, 
if they're going to leave for 50 cents, it's probably not just the money. Yeah, I totally agree, Kyle. One of the other things I would mention is if so money is still in in my eyes. And I think Kyle agrees the the number one thing that they're going to look for if they're looking for a job. Right. And so this doesn't really talk to 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 the actual retention. Uh, But one of the things I'll say is that if you see a trend where other skilled trades in other areas where people are working with their hands, the, the, the money is going up, the, their pay rate is going up. And if your excuse as a shop owner, and it shouldn't even say excuse, but really if, if you're thinking in your head, there is no way I can pay as much as the other auto shop down the road or uh, as much as the electrician or some of these others, to me, that's almost more of a, a core business function that you need to look at your plan from a business planning standpoint to say, how am I going to elevate my hourly rate uh, shop rate uh, to customers, the customer labor rate to really make us competitive down the road? And, and what does that look like? And I had a friend tell me once that everything is just a math problem when it comes down to it in, in anything in business, everything's a math problem. And if you say, okay, our starting pay has to be $20 an hour and our average rate of pay for a flat rate technician has to be $32 an hour, or whatever it is in your area. Uh, what do you have to do from a business standpoint in order to get that? And that's what I would look at maybe on the backside even more is to say, let's dig into this a little further. How do we raise our labor rate on the front side to, to really be able to pay them that rate without going broke? You just described reverse engineering. And in my mind, I, I totally agree with you on, on uh, you know, I used to love to get the calculator, uh, yellow pad. I turned that y- later in my life into an Excel spreadsheet, and I would all, always do these what-ifs. But there was, there was always a way to solve your problem with math. I, I totally agree. Wow, huge. We did a Town Hall Academy. 119 on employee loyalty and it lends itself you know i I, i'm just recalling all the things that we're talking about and exactly what you guys have just said about the 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 value of benefits and healthcare and time off and family and tools and culture and a great place to work and a lunchroom and all those great things that keep people there in inside your business and let me let me throw this in just to keep beating on the mentoring aspect of things but the studies have shown that if you, if you are mentored, you are 77% more likely to stay with that employer. And so when you're talking about an entry-level technician, that's a huge number. <laughs> Put mentoring in place. That is a retention tool, not just a training tool. What a great ending to a fabulous uh, little roundtable. I think we could go talk for another hour. Would you <laughs> got, should we Should we do this again? Absolutely. All right, we will. Thank you so much, Kyle Holt, President SP2, and and Jay Goninen from Find a Wrench. Fabulous, good stuff. I think we laid a a lot of stuff on our audience. Now, the the whole key here, guys, and you'll probably agree with me, if you listen and you don't do, then you're wrong. We're never going to fix this industry, change it, improve your own business if you don't actually take some of these great tactics that came out of this episode and do something with it. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Carm. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. See you guys. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 